millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. again to the Explaining History podcast. And in this episode, I want to look at uh, Russian proto-fascism in the uh, early period of the 20th century, 1905 to about 1906-1907. And the reason why I want to look at this, and the reason why we think of it as being uh, proto-fascism, is that it doesn't really uh, have all the aspects of um, fascism that we see after the First World War, Italian and, and German fascism, obviously, in terms of uh, the development of a, a Führer principle or a Duce, um, the idea of the inspired leadership, um, this very modernist, futurist Italian fascist idea of dynamism and action and, and all that kind of thing. But the uh, one of the kind of the, the criteria of fascism, um, the uh, relationship between the elite and the mob, um, and the uh, kind of the, the stirrings of uh, racist xenophobic populism in Russia as a response to the development of uh, parties of organised labour, that uh, was clearly there, and we're going to kind of investigate that in, in a moment. Now, the text I'm working from is the first part of the trilogy um, by Stephen Kotkin uh, on Stalin. I believe the, the second one has been uh, published recently. This is The Paradoxes of Power, 1878 to 1928. Brilliantly written. One of the things that Stephen Kotkin does is he gives a kind of a very, very rich contextual picture uh, around the, uh, the career of Stalin and talking about pre-revolutionary Russia, uh, pre-First World War Russia, one of the things that really stands out is the fact that the uh, movements on the extreme right in that period of time actually dwarf the liberal centre and the democratic and, and radical left. And the, um, the fact of the matter is that 
whilst we think of fascism, uh, one of the f- facets of fascism as being this relationship between um, the elite and the mob, between the autocracy here and the, uh, the peasantry, the um, proto-fascists of Russia were not really initially motivated and organised by the elites. They are kind of a spontaneous and rather self-forming um, organisation uh, or set of organisations that are really responding to the kind of anxieties that uh, poor Russians have about the encroachment of modernity and the um, development, the dramatic changes of uh, economic and social changes that are taking inside the Russian Empire uh, at that time. Uh, they have, they are later used by um, the, the, the various elites, as we shall see, to achieve um, strategic political ends, but they're not created by them. So there is a kind of an easy relationship. So Stephen Kotkin writes that, for example, in um, the number of social democrats had dramatically increased from 3,250 in 1904 to around 80,000 in 1907, um, which this is significant about. The Social Democratic Workers' Party um, had um, very smatterings of success on the periphery of the Russian Empire, protecting Ukraine. But this is more kind of the, the, the heartland of Russia. The Constitutional Democrats um, had uh, 120,000 supporters, um, and the uh, Constitutionalist uh, Party, um, the Octoberists, um, had uh, about 25,000 uh, members the the Octoberists were the sort of the the right of centre um, uh, political grouping. The um, SRs, uh, the Social Revolutionaries, um, had um, a membership of about fifty thousand. But if you put together the all the uh, different groups of the Union of Russian People, which is a staunchly monarchist and national chauvinist um, organisation. This was founded in November 1905. Um, You're looking at about 300,000 members. And this was um, organised across the Russian Empire um, down to the kind of the small town and and the village uh, level. So it was quite a sophisticated uh, and well, um, well, well organized um, or, uh, a system. So, Stephen Kotkin writes during the revolutionary uprising, he's talking about 1905, in which liberal constitutionalism was pushed to the forefront while socialism emerged as an empire wide aspiration, the rise of the illiberal Union of Russian People constituted a remarkable story. Until 1905, self-styled patriotic elements faced legal limitations in expressing themselves publicly, having to be content with religious processionals, military victory commemorations, imperial funerals and coronations. That revolutionary year, moreover, more conservatives found themselves caught out, unwilling to enter, let alone master, the political arena. But the union of Russian people was different. As the most prominent of many upstart rightist organisations in Russia, the union brought together courtiers, professionals and churchmen with townspeople, workers and peasants. Drawing in the disaffected and the disoriented, as well as the patriotic, 
the Union managed to sweep in the lower orders of middle strata for Tsar, Faith and Fatherland, stealing a march on the left. The Tsarist regime, stymied by rightist establishment opposition in the Duma and the State Council, appeared to have uh, the option of grassroots mobilisation. So what does all that mean? Well, during um, the 1905 revolution, which had been brewing in Russia for at least uh, since 1902, uh, if not uh, significantly longer, during that revolutionary year, the story that we hear most about is the uh, union between uh, the bourgeoisie, the liberal bourgeoisie, and the uh, more radical uh, proletariat, the, the working class. As it says, liberal constitutionalism is pushed to the forefront, so the uh, aspirations of the bourgeoisie to have a Duma, to have a limitation of the Tsar's powers, and to have the, the kinds of things that were demanded across Europe really in, in, in 1848, uh, um, and that Russian autocracy had managed to avoid for over half a century. These uh, liberal bourgeois parties really relied upon uh, the the working classes in various Russian towns and cities um, to do much of the uh, the actual street fighting in some cases in the mannings of the barricades. Um, and they were seen as the, the leadership of the movement. Um, uh, Sergei Vitter quite neatly cuts the head off the snake in 1905 by uh, drafting the October Manifesto to really appeal, appeal to the bourgeoisie and then uh, allowing the Tsar to take his revenge on the working classes, thus dividing the two and ensuring that they would never fully trust one another ever again. But here we have this kind of, this, this other um, part of this story, a, um, a, a radical extremist right-wing organisation, the Union of Russian Peoples, and it manages to be able to have cross uh, multi kind of class social appeal um, as it says um, finding um, a common cause between courtiers professionals churchmen townspeople workers and peasants and it unites them behind notions of identity uh, and nationhood czar faith and fatherland really the autocracy um, russia and uh, orthodoxy and why does this happen? Well, it's actually often easier to unite people um, during times of immense social and cultural change behind established and fixed um, concepts of identity than it is to suggest to them that um, social reform or um, control of the factories or whatever might be a, a more attractive goal. Fascism and fascisms are adept at speaking to loss and bewilderment and they are adept at promising um, the uh, follower, uh, the adherent of uh, fascism with uh, a deep sense of identity and belonging. 
Um, the, many of the uh, critical, the Frankfurt School books on fascism were written, particularly the Eric Fromm's The, the Fear of Freedom, um, were written around this. And he said basically kind of um, disorientation and loneliness was a, a key factor in, in Hitler's, uh, Hitler's rise. Well, there's much of that in Russia as the uh, country dramatically changes. People are um, torn, sort of sucked in from the land to the towns and cities. Uh, they go from being perhaps sometimes con- um, artisans to being wage labourers. And the, the process of modernity that has happened in uh, Britain over uh, at least a century is accelerated into a couple of decades in Russia. And people um, rightly are anxious about the old Russia that they understood being swept away. And this isn't just a working class experience. If you uh, go back as far as um, the 1880s um, and you read uh, books based on the period such as um, uh, Tegenev's Fathers and Sons, the, the question about social change and about the pace of social change and what will happen to the Russia we once knew those are written large throughout the uh, throughout the story and various other writings all the time. One of the key distinctions between the kind of conservative uh, nationalism and the kind of uh, elite politics of the right uh, that uh, had emerged in the late Tsarist uh, uh, period, uh, one of the key distinctions between that and the new fascism of the Union of the Russian People was that the um, this was a mass politics. It was um, the politics of public places, of demonstrations, um, the idea of uh, direct action, of no longer waiting for a political process to deliver uh, the kinds of outcomes, xenophobic uh, or uh, nationalist outcomes, uh, that were required. This is a hugely destabilising force within um, Russian politics to have this large body of individuals impatient for radical change and impatient for radical change uh, often brought about uh, as a result of violence. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The, the, the union decried liberalism, capitalism, and the Jews. These were the, the three evils uh, of um, an encroaching modernity, and the Jews were accused of being behind it all, obviously. The notion that, uh, an, uh, that liberalism presented to um, Russia, which had really been um, in existence in Russian politics since the end of the Napoleonic Wars onwards, and found its most memorable moment with the Decembrist Revolt in 1825, uh, which was swiftly crushed. The um, liberalism um, had been a, a very minimal challenge, really, to the power of autocracy, but was seen as something um, anti-Russian uh, against the the very notion of what um, of of what it was to be Russian as this um, pan-Slavic idea of exceptionalism that Russia had its own special path through history that didn't involve the development of um, liberalism of a constitutional monarchy of the rule of law civil rights or any of that kind of thing and certainly it didn't then um, involve the development of uh, liberal capitalism or free of um, the uh, kind of free trade capitalism that was developing uh, in Europe, Western Europe, uh, and, and America. Uh, no, this was a uh, these notions were anathemas to um, conservative Russia, even when you had the likes of Sergei Vita attempting to. Uh, deeply integrate, far more deeply integrate Russia into the world economy and much of Russia's uh, economic boom uh, that happens in the last decade uh, before the First World War is based on this uh, integration. Um, the uh, problem that these kinds of um, developments, the developments of what we would now think of as uh, globalization, the integration of nation states into a world economic system. The problem that that invariably has is that there is collateral damage, uh, 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 unemployment, um, prices, and inflation uh, soaring out of the control of national governments and uh, individuals and uh, organize uh, individuals and uh, communities are being devastated by the vagaries of market forces. All these things were um, seen as an immense threat and, and kind of an anti-Russian, anti-Russian concepts, capitalism and liberalism. And the easiest people to blame, obviously, were Jews. Uh, much of the, the kind of the, the later Nazi anti-Semitic playbook is um, the product of uh, earlier Russian pioneers. Though obviously Hitler was a keen adherent of um, Austrian and German anti-Semites as well, but many of the, the kind of the key tenets of modern anti-Semitism come from Russia. This proto-Russian uh, fascism, in the words of uh, Stephen Kotkin again, 
um, emphasised the uni uniqueness of Russia's historical trajectory, rejected Europe as a model, preached the need for orthodox primacy over Jews and Catholics, and demanded uh, the restoration of Russia's traditions. So it was a very angry reaction against the perceived encroachment of uh, Western values on Russia. And it makes sense that this would uh, occur because ever since the end of the Crimean War and the establishment of the fact that Russia had been significantly weakened and humbled uh, by two Western European powers, there had been uh, a steady erosion of uh, Russian sovereignty and a steady um, development of the, the fear that Russia might simply wind up an economic colony of Europe. And just as with the Qing Empire in the east and the Ottoman Empire to the south, uh, a prolonged struggle between um, the forces of tradition and the forces of modernization was going on in Russia and the uh, anxieties that this unleashes as to uh, if the forces of modernity uh, do triumph, then what, with a Russia, what will happen to Russia? Um, these are key anxieties in the minds of many Russian people who are sensing a sense of threat to their, their own identity. And again, this is what, um, what fascism's uh, old and contemporary are kind of about. During the 1905 revolution, the state is under siege, uh, or so it appears, from revolutionaries from the left. And the inability of the state to uh, crush the left, to uh, wipe the left out, is a source of disdain uh, from the far right, from um, the, the Union. And the Union's uh, kind of right-wing um, vigilantes, um, the, 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 the boot boys, um, referred to as the, the Black Hundreds, not only um, launched pogroms against uh, the Jews during 1905, um, but also believed that um, they could act as kind of um, auxiliaries to um, the army and the police, um, breaking some peasants, some rebellious peasant skulls, and giving the workers um, the, the beating that they believed that they, they were due in order to kind of push them back into line. Russian socialists were quick to see that, along with the, the forces of autocracy, that fascism developing in Russia was a, a key threat to um, hopes of revolution. Socialists um, forced occasionally uh, the Union of Russian, um, Russian people to uh, abandon outdoor rallies and to hide indoors. Uh, uh, due to the threat of counter-demonstrations from the left. And then uh, there was uh, a genuine fear um, on the far right that um, uh, social revolutionaries um, or anarchist uh, bombers uh, would uh, kill large numbers of them and uh, in much the same way as they had assassinated government ministers throughout, um, uh, and throughout 1905. And the, the key text that would unify the fascist right in uh, Russia and would um, have uh, an infamous uh, legacy on anti-Semitism 
throughout the 20th century was, of course, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. This was a fabricated uh, transcript of uh, supposed Jewish organisations' meetings uh, in a, uh, a smoke-filled room where supposedly uh, the leaders of the, the uh, Jews of the world got together in a, a global conspiracy um, that uh, was so clever that it was invisible except to people that read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion and they could figure it all out. Um, it was first published uh, in St. Petersburg um, on the 28th to the of August 1903 through to the September the 7th that year um, in Zhimaya, um, which was a, a publication which was paid for by the Interior Minister Vyacheslav von Pleve, and it was published by Pavel Kroshevan, uh, a Moldavian uh, publisher who thought not only to um, compile the lives of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, but also instigated pogroms uh, against the Jews um, and um, led to um, the founding of the Bezarabian branch of the Union of Russian People in uh, 1905. Um, the uh, creation of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, uh, which was uh, chief, intimately connected to um, Russia's Okhrana, the uh, secret service, was uh, the first real evidence of a kind of a, a connection between um, the autocracy and the fascist right. The autocracy had sought to suck with a very long spoon initially, um, noticing that when they did infiltrate using the Okhrana, um, the Union of Russian Peoples, that they had a kill list, not just of Jews or socialists, but of government ministers as well, who weren't seen as being sufficiently anti-Jewish uh, enough. So there was uh, a great wariness by the autocracy. But as the situation deteriorated in the run-up to 1905, the uh, willingness to embrace extremism uh, became uh, more and more apparent. The Union didn't like to think of itself as a political party. It liked to think of itself as a political movement. It liked to think of itself as a as the people, the Narod, as a, a, a unit of the polity itself. Um, and this was something that was far um, far divorced from the kind of the the, the petty bourgeois concerns of uh, everyday politics and something that was raised to uh, a more sanctified and rarefied level um, based around the very workings of uh, the, the interior life of the people itself. Uh, and this was, again, part of the, the blueprint of later fascisms, um, the, the German Volk, uh, for example, uh, and the idea that the um, whatever the nation was, whatever uh, the national tribe was, that one individual could speak for it. And there were distinct uh, links to the notion of uh, autocracy. Um, the autocracy itself, um, long before the advent of Peter the Great's reforms, the, the kind of the mystical way that Nicholas II thought of the autocracy was in its purest form. It was a connection between uh, the Tsar and the peasants. 
and that anything, government ministers, bureaucrats, anything that stood in the way as a kind of a filter or a barrier was inherently wrong and kind of contrary to uh, the word or, of God. And fascists in um, the Black Hundreds and in the Union of Russian People craved this notion of this kind of intimate connection between Tsar and, and people. Um, much of it is obviously you know, complete fantasy and uh, things that had never really existed in the first place. However, in the final analysis, whatever the um, attempts to forge connections between um, the autocratic right and the fascist right of the, of the street and the mob, it never really quite worked out. And the uh, extreme nationalist right uh, was divided um, you know, by the time 1914 came around between a uh, parliamentary or a, a Duma um, conservatism and uh, the fascist radicalism of the streets. Anyway, I'm going to finish that. I hope you found this useful, and I will catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Do swing by the uh, Facebook page. Um, I need the kind of the, the involvement of the tribe at the moment. I've got some new ideas I want your opinions on, so do swing by, and I'm going to post some cool stuff there pretty soon. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you soon. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.